This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to Work Talk. This is a podcast series by The Straits Times to help you work smarter, think deeper, and get ahead in your work life. I'm your host, Chris Bu, and I have a co-host for this episode too. Hi, I'm Tae Hong Yi. In this episode, we're talking about job hopping. Yes, job hopping is a rising trend and negative attitudes towards job hoppers are changing. We'll talk about that in the first half of this podcast where we're delighted to have Ms. Ng Lei Peng and Mr. Hadid Mataru with us. In the second part of the podcast, we have lined up Ms. Lim Zihui to tell us how job hoppers could convince employers that they are viable hires. Zihui is a manager at Michael Page, a global recruitment firm. So, job hopping is described as moving from job to job sometimes not lasting more than a year. Leiping is a public relations professional. She has had 10 jobs over the last 10 years. Hadip is a workplace strategist with Vahon and Company. He is also Leiping's boss. Welcome to the show, Hadip. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. And hello, Leiping. Hi, thanks for having me here today. Hadip, let's start with you. We've done a profile Leiping in our Job Hopper series in the Straits Times today, and you have been tremendously sporting about it. What made you hire Lei Ping when she came to you, despite her career history? So uh, we worked with uh, Lei Ping uh, prior to employing her when she was on a, on a contracting basis with us. Um, and she was always extremely diligent and very good at what she did. Um, she had the right skills. Um, and from that perspective, when we had an opening for the position full-time, three days per week basis, she was exactly the person that we had in mind for it. Um, and actually, to be honest, we don't really think too much about the career history from that perspective. How did the pandemic change work routines and prompted more workers to seek meaning in their jobs? You're a workplace change strategist. Do you see frequent job change, a new trend that is set to stay? Uh, my short answer to that is yes. Um, I, I think we've seen it as a trend build up over the past few years. Um, I, and in some ways, COVID and pandemic kind of brought it into focus even more so. I think with the amount of uh, range of options people have to find new roles and also for them to also expand themselves by taking short-term contracts or side gigs, which I think in some cases can be very attractive for an employer because you know you may have someone that's got a lot more breadth of experience than someone that has been a lifer in another organization. Do you see your, you know, any of your clients being very resistant to you know, workers that frequently change jobs? I don't think it's come up as a major concern for the clients that I've worked with. If someone is a job hopper that happens to have the right skills and you can get them at the right price, I think for most organizations we've dealt with, it's a fair transaction. I want to talk about company culture, company loyalty, you know, which is what is part of your, your consultancy to your clients, building company culture and loyalty. So how do you advise your clients on dealing with this so-called new breed of workers? They don't even stay long enough to know the mission statement. So how can you make them loyal to your company? Yeah, I don't think we look at it specifically about addressing certain types of workers. For us, it's much more of an overarching statement. I wouldn't say it's a one size fits all because, of course, if you've got you've got a breed of workers, they are, of course, part of your cohort. Yes, you would want to be making sure that you provide them um, that employee experience, but I don't think they need to cater or pander to a very specific breed of worker. The way that we see it, it has to be very coherent, meaning that if you're delivering an employee experience, it's right across the way that you deliver your experience in your whole organization. That means things like, for example, 
the uh, office, your physical workspace that you're delivering is aligned with the uh, behavioral environment or the organizational culture. It's also aligned with things like the digital tools and everything that you're providing. And that delivers the experience, you know, not just for your breed of new workers, but for everyone. Right. So Hadib, on that point, right. So how do you help your clients to really ensure that continuity? Because if frequent job change and increased churn are going to be part of the norm increasingly in future, right? How is continuity ensured then? If you're an organization that has a certain culture and you maintain that continuity, it's something that people can rely upon. Employees value that significantly. Of course, there's a a certain amount of of things that will evolve over time. But if you have sweeping changes in the way that an organization is run, that I think from an overall corporate culture perspective can be a big risk. But if you're following towards your North Star and that's where you're aspiring to, I think that's where you can build a corporate culture that organizations can rely on and people will want to stick to. That to me is where I believe you can build something that's a little bit more future-proof, despite the fact that you will have people coming and going in the job market too. Leiping, you're very open about your career history. Tell us a little about it. I think uh, it sounds very insane when you kind of think about it in terms of like 10 jobs in 10 years. But to kind of put it into a little bit more perspective, I think like the first six roles are actually when I was fairly new into into the working world. And I think the consideration at that point was a little bit different because you think about your student loans, commitment to families, and then you start to understand what you need to prioritize and what you aim to get out of your career or life in general, right? So then you kind of shift and you find the right position or at least attempt to try and find the right position for you. And then in terms of the three short-term contract roles, they were under, you know, when I founded Bus Communications, my own business about six years ago. So that was when they said, oh, I don't want to hire you as a business, but I like you and I want you to come on board to help us with this project. So in a way, I also transitioned to kind of like a gig worker to help support these organizations with their businesses. So Lei Ping, so when you first joined Vahoan and company, right, was there some sort of culture shock in terms of the routines and in terms of, uh, you know, just the working style? You know, just overall, was there any culture shock for you? How my work style was shaped is pretty much in my six years of agency work where we are always working on different projects at the same time. Vahoan was one actually one of my clients, one of my first few clients. And I was working with the former managing partner, Yolanda. She's the most inspiring person that that I have ever met. And it kind of set the tone for what working with the organization is going to be about. It's an organization that inspires people, that listens and that engages people. So I already knew what I was stepping into. And it was a very open conversation with regards to the flexibility that I want uh, and that I need because I, I have a back injury. I can't I can't sit on the chair for like eight hours a day and not move. But this is something that we are transparent about. Okay, if you need a break, go take a break. I'm not going to control you over how many hours you are at your desk. This is the scope of work that you have to complete. And then just complete it and move things along and we're fine. There's no form of micromanaging. It's about empowering employees to do their work and way in time that suits them. Lei Peng, you know, when you were talking to me about what you witnessed with your peers, you said something that struck me. And you said that a lot of times you saw that you didn't pay to be lawyer and to stay very long with the company. Tell us a little about that. Yeah, that's funny because uh, two days ago, my friend just texted me and said that she is the lowest paid manager <laughs> in her company and she stayed a really, really long time. I've known of people who stayed in the same job for you know close to 10 years and moving from a salary of thousand nine to 
to maybe $3,000 for 10 years and definitely a valued employee, definitely respected within the team. I guess as a boss, you kind of need to keep your overhead low. So it's not really about how much you're remunerating your staff. Um, you give them slightly enough so that it entices them to stay with the with the potential, you know, oh, maybe I, I would get to this position that I want to be. But then a lot of the times that can fall short. So I've seen so many instances of people who just stay and stay and stay and the so-called loyalty is not actually being rewarded and they are not given any grooming in terms of career progression. So then the question is, are you staying because you're just comfortable and you're afraid of change? Or are you staying because this is actually the ideal setup for you to progress as an individual and as a professional? Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. Let's get back to our conversation with Ms. Ng Ping and Mr. Hadid Masaru on the rising trend of job hopping before I bring on Ms. Lim Zihui of Michael Page, a global recruitment firm. Now that you've moved, you know, 10 years into your career, would you say that being a flight risk pays better than being a very loyal stayer? I think it's not so much about whether you are loyal or not. If you're not making enough to feed your family, then loyalty is really something that is quite secondary. I think I shaped my own development and my own progression. So when I was in the organizations, um, the previous organizations that I was with in the earlier part of my career, you're so busy delivering clients' work that you have no time to focus on the skills gap that you have and, and what you need to progress as an individual. So when I started my own business, I had to learn a lot of things from scratch. I had to learn how to build a website. I had to learn digital marketing. And I can't reach out to anyone for help, right? Because they are busy people too. And what's the benefit of helping me? I didn't have the money to reach out for professional services to help me. So I got to learn a lot on my own. So all this shaped me to be the kind of person that I am today and the kind of co-worker that I am today, to learn to be respectful of people, to, to listen. I think that's tremendously important. So in a way, I would say it benefits me in, in more ways than one. Financially, yes. Professionally, yes. As an individual, yes. I want to come back to this, you know, whether it's better to chop hop than to stay uh, with Zuhui later. But before we do, I do have a question for you, uh, Lei Ping. Did you ever feel stigmatized or disadvantaged for your frequent job changes? No, because I think a lot of the times, a lot of the, my work in the past few years have all been from referral or I've been approached first via LinkedIn. So I've not been actively heading out to, to look for opportunities. Um, and even if, if I were just be speaking to a potential uh, employer, it's usually about how I work, what my personality is, will I fit in with the team, what's my skill set. It's never about, oh, why did you leave like this job this many years ago? Then why are you leaving again? I think the conversation has evolved significantly. And also people are a lot more um, open to gig workers these days. In fact, that's a huge demand for gig workers because we are not like a permanent headcount, right, for the business. So in a way, I think it, you know, even for job seekers out there, if you're always moving, then consider maybe would you be more comfortable as a gig worker instead so that you can always constantly keep yourself engaged as opposed to boxing yourself up in a job whereby you start finding more and more things to be unhappy about every day. So you also said that right now in, in your current job, you're hoping to last. How has your attitude to job hopping changed over the years and why? 
it's not so much about how often you move, right? It's about the work that you do and the purpose of the work that you do. So that is something that I've gained a lot of clarity of in the last few years, what exactly that I want and what is it that I need. So in, in this current role uh, with Falhon and Company, work, helping people to create a better world. Well, it's meaningful work and it's also kind of a new territory for me. I'm always learning something new. I'm working a- alongside brilliant minds. And also when you are at a more senior level, the type of projects that you work on, the type of work that you do is not something that, oh, send a press release and then your work is done. You know, it, it's more like, how do I create a campaign that is meaningful, that you can kind of compare against the work that you do previously. So it definitely gives you a lot more incentive to want to see things through as opposed to just moving for the sake of moving. Now let us swing over to Zihui. Zihui, you have heard Lei Ping's work history and the whole discussion we had with Hadip over, you know, what job hopping entails and what it might signify. You also heard that Lei Ping would like to settle longer into her current job. How would you advise workers like her to first get the interview and then get the job? Okay, I think the most important thing, and this is a practice we always do here at MicroPage, right, is to identify what would be your top three most important things. We call it MITs. So your most important motivations for you to carry on like a happy working life. So you need to have that in ranking first. And in order for, for you to be presented forward to um, like a client, right? Because I work with candidates and I need to present your profiles for with clients. If let's say I'm, I'm presenting two different sets of profiles, one would be what you call as more of a job hopper CV and one would be more of like a consistent one. Say every four to five years, you change one job. I need to put additional effort to sell a candidate that has a choppier CV in that sense. So every one year, you move a job or two years, you move a job. Hiring managers will tell me that way. I always go back to the point where, okay, what are the client's requirements and whether I'm finding the right candidate. Sometimes nowadays, especially in today's context, I see a lot more hiring managers questioning on the attitude of the candidate. What excites this candidate? What are the career motivations moving forward? As compared to, say, three years ago, maybe pre-pandemic, they were more concerned about how candidates can stay longer in a career, four years, five years. But to, to answer your question, how do they get interviewed and eventually getting the job? You need to know truthfully first whether you really can be excited by this role. And going back to your top three most important things, and then you do your internal checking at the bar, the hiring manager can also sense whether you're the right candidate eventually for the role. You're saying that the, the employees are more focused with what the candidate brings to the table now as compared to whether they can keep the candidate for a long time. Is that correct way to look at it? Actually, I do wish to see more hiring managers being more open-minded like Hardip here. I still see two different sets of hiring managers nowadays. Some of them are still fixated on mindset that I need to look at candidates with a more stable profile um, and they will straight away park aside candidates who have a choppier CV. Actually, to be honest, that is still the most common trend that we see. Would you say 60%, 70% of your clients are like that? I would say 70% of them will be like that. The 30% would be clients who are trying to shift out from the status quo, but these clients will most probably come from the tech environment, like digital tech, consumer tech type of space. They are more, more open to such changes. So how can uh, somebody like Lei Ping, for example, help you to help herself get through the door to see the client and then impress the client enough to get herself hired? Okay, in Lei Ping's context, because I, I saw her profile and I recall, actually I approached her before 
And at that point in time, she was already um, doing this whole business of her own. What I can suggest, right, is for her to put together a portfolio because that's her credibility. And even though you may be a job hopper, but what have you been doing for the past five years? That is more important to a hiring manager, whether you have been adding value to other corporates in that five years or spending these five years just, I mean, doing yoga or traveling the world, doing nothing much with your career. So Hadid, you've got a competitor who is trying to poach or hire away your employee. <laughs> and so, you know, Hadid obviously is, is a very progressive boss, right? He, he looks at things from a very big picture point of view. So Zuit, do you have questions for Hadid? Is there anything that you'd like him to share with you that will make you get an insight into what makes his mind tick? I wanted to just understand when did this change happen, right? Were you all along a more open-minded hiring manager? That, I mean, maybe that's my first question. And also the second question would be whether there's still any stigma to a candidate that has a choppy CV coming forward to you. I've always been that way. My career, I've, I've had a couple of very long-term jobs and a few other shorter-term pieces. I did them in many cases as a sort of a contracting type of a role. And in some cases, they worked out very well. I learned a lot and I would take those skills away with me. In other cases, they weren't quite a fit. So I don't think from my perspective, if someone has, let's call it a choppier CV, it could be that they worked with an organization that didn't match their purpose or it didn't match their culture, those types of things. So I wouldn't place the blame on the candidate and I certainly wouldn't place the blame on the organization. Sometimes these things happen. I wouldn't put that stigma, let's say, on that person. We all know it's so hard to find the right fit for a role. And if you hire someone and you know they come in and they stay with you for a few years and you've got to go and fill the role with someone else... You know, whether you want to keep someone on that, you know, stays from loyalty's perspective, but they're not performing, that's a question that somebody might want to ask. From my perspective, I'd want to write, I'd want to get the right person for the right role. Right, Leiping. So, you know, we have had this very interesting conversation about job hopping and how do you stay a competitive candidate despite the potential stigma. So do you have any question for Zihui? Yeah, um, actually, I was wondering, you know, as a recruiter, what, what advice do you have for job seekers in understanding what is the right type of workplace culture for them and how to create that match with organizations? So I would encourage my candidates to uh, look through their current network, see whether there's any um, one of their friends, acquaintances currently working in those setups that they may be into viewing for to see whether they can answer the questions directly for you. That's the best case scenario. Secondly, is always check with your recruiters if they are already familiar with this organization, whether they have placed any candidates in that firm before. They can ask for direct feedback. How has your year been? How's the culture like? What's the progression? How's your hiring managers? Any interesting things they can share about this organization? So Zihui, one last question for you and a short one, which is the same one I wanted to ask earlier. Does it pay for a candidate to stay with the company or does it pay to move around? I do see there's a lot of candidates who job hop for the purpose of increasing their salary or realigning um, their salary if they feel they are not paid up to market standards. However, you must always consider your current organization. If the current organization is always able to consistently pave a career progression path for you um, and clear performance development plans have been mapped out, that should still definitely be um, a priority to focus on. 
I don't think there's a yes or no answer to this question. As a candidate, you need to evaluate what's important to you as well, whether you need more flexibility in your work, work schedule, whether you prefer to work nine to six every single day, whether you want a high travel, 80% travel job, you want more diversity in terms of different industries to work for, you want diversity in terms of job type, job functions. All these are different considerations. Thanks so much. Thank you, Lei Ping, Zihui and Hadip. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. I'm Chris Bu. And I'm Tae Hong Yi. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Work Talk, a podcast by The Straits Times. If you'd like to read the stories about job hopping, changing attitudes, we've inserted a link in our podcast text description below. We'd love to hear from you about your experience renegotiating your career moves and priorities. So drop us a note with your story. Our email addresses are also in the podcast text description. Have, Have a, a good, good work week. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.